This is the Community Connection, a podcast from Community Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana. The purpose of this podcast is to better equip our church family to do the ministry of the gospel where God has planted us. Well, we're back for another Community Connection podcast. What do we call this again? I forget what the title is. It's called the Community Connection. That was Community like the Connection. worst intro you that this podcast has ever seen. You right, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Community Connection, take two. <laughs> we're back with the Community Connection. <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, here we are in the podcast studio once again <laughs> with... Pastor Joe and myself, and uh, today we're going to um, uh, talk about a sermon series that we're wrapping up this Sunday, actually. It's hard to believe we're at the end of Ecclesiastes. It's true. It feels like we just started it last week, and then in some ways it feels like we started it years ago. Years well, ago. technically, we did actually start it last year. That's a good point. That's a good point. How many messages did it take total to get through Ecclesiastes? So I believe I am on message number 11. Wow. 11 for 12 chapters. Because we combine chapters 9 and 10. I, and I did. We also com- we combined some other chapters early on. I need to go like back one and, and two, look at my maybe, schedule. You did like an intro message, and then you did one Correct. and two. I think I did an intro. Yeah, I think I did an intro message just on like verses one and two. Yeah, and then I did one. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So there was there was a couple where we doubled up on some chapters. Yeah. I just looked at. I think this is message number eleven. There I expected to get through it actually in eight messages. Believe it or not. Wow. I know that was really... Wow. That's ambitious. <laughs> yeah, that was very <laughs> ambitious. There's a lot of text in Ecclesiastes yeah. once you start getting into it and reading and, it. And that's exactly what happened is that I originally thought, you know, this is probably going to be about eight, you know, eight or so pieces after reading through it and planning it out. But then after getting into it a little bit further, I was like, man, there's, you know, there's no way yeah. we're, we're going to need to take a pause. And honestly, I'm going to tack on, and we'll talk about this, maybe I'll explain this on Sunday, but uh, I'm going to tack on an additional three topical messages mm-hmm. on concepts that are brought up within the book of Ecclesiastes that I think we need to separate and kind of go down three rabbit trails of, of concepts that are brought up, which would be really helpful to our congregation. I think. Very good. So w- before we went to Ecclesiastes, we were in the book of Galatians for Correct. quite a while. Yep. What was it that uh, gave you a drive or you felt led to, to preach through Ecclesiastes? What drew you to the book initially as a preaching series? Well, we haven't done much in the Old Testament um, I've only been here for five years, and so our um, our preaching series that we've been through in the New Testament, Philippians, we've been through Galatians, Mark, uh, been through the Gospel of Mark, which took an extended extended period of time. Um, and in the Old Testament, we hadn't really gone through an Old Testament book other than the book of Jonah. Well, I and we preached, also did Life of Joseph. We did, but but we didn't do the entire book of Genesis. Right, right. So we did kind of a cursory um, overview of. Joseph's life and God's working in Joseph's life. So we didn't actually go into the text and look at look at specific themes of the text. We looked at okay, what is God doing here and focus on the sovereignty of God and sure. through the life of Joseph. Yeah. Um, but we went verse by verse through the book of Jonah, and then I was really I I really wanted to do a a poetry book, a wisdom book, hmm. and um, I was in sitting in a class uh, out for my uh, doctorate out in California. And one of the professors just made a side comment that uh, he said, every, every one of you needs to preach through the book of Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes early on in your ministry because it will set your perspective of your life and of, of ministry in a lot of ways. Wow. And it kind of stuck out to me. I thought, man, that's weird. So I started reading through Ecclesiastes and picked up a, uh, 
a couple books and read through those, and they were very helpful. Hmm. Very know? good. And so that kind of piqued my interest, and I thought, you know, our church would really benefit from this. Right. And, I mean, you know this, uh, I know this to a lesser degree, but you know this, that uh, w- when you first get into a preaching series on a particular book, um, you have a pretty good idea of where, where you think it's going to go. It doesn't always end up that way, but yeah, no, having no. gotten to the end, and you're really qu- quite close to the end of your studies in Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. we're going to finish the last sermon on Sunday, get through chapter 12. Um, maybe people who are listening haven't been to every uh, sermon in Ecclesiastes, or maybe we have listeners who haven't been there for our series. And so maybe just on a real simple level, tell us what's the, what's the overarching theme in the book of Ecclesiastes? So um, I actually have two titles for my series. Um, one of them is a little bit more of a poetic title and one is just a simple down to earth title. Okay. Okay. Um, my down to earth title is life is hard. God is good. Hmm. And I think that's in in essence, I think that's what Solomon wants us to see in Ecclesiastes is listen, this is real life Hmm. and it's not, I mean, even in chapter 12 that is fresh on my mind because I'm studying right now in preparation for Sunday, he says, you know, remember the creator in the days of your youth because evil days are coming. Hmm. There, there are coming days when, when your body is going to be paraded down the streets at, for your funeral. And there are right. going to be mourners crying and, and the silver cord of your life has been cut and, hmm. and the bowl of your life has been broken all on all these, you know, pictures. And so because of that, um, you, you need to have your life focused on your creator now. Yeah. And I, and that's been a consistent theme is that life, like life is real. It's okay to step back and say life is hard Yeah, to be realistic about the things in this world and in this life, but we can't stop there. Cause if we stop there, we end up with a hedonistic point in life. So we have to say, or, or we end up with a, with a man centeredness, whether it's pain or, 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 um, pleasure or whatever that we're focusing on. But we have to end it with, but God is good. And so there must be something else going on here. That's so interesting because if you deny the existence of God, you're either driven to the despair because of how broken and painful life is, or else you live your life trying to uh, steal, draw out, or get something from Mm-hmm. The, the pleasurable experiences of life, mm-hmm. which is a pragmatic way to live. I, I pursue yeah. ends and actions based on what I think and hope they will give me. It's only, according to Ecclesiastes, the only way that there can be good in and of itself in the world is if there is a good God. Yeah, and I think you know that's the problem that all atheists face, is either we, ha- we have no purpose, which everybody's heart um, revolts against mm-hmm. because we're made in the image of God. We, we, we are pointless, we are purposeless, we're literally blobs of goo just eking out an existence. Um, that, that's really, that's, or, uh, there is no other option. That, that's, that's it, right? And so in my, in my original studies in the concept of Ecclesiastes, I ran across a statement from an atheist, and I don't remember her off the top of my head, but uh, I could locate it. She basically says, the only hope that we have in this life is to live as though life has purpose. Mm. And that's so sad right. to say there is no purpose, right. but the only way I can make it through life is to pretend that it does. Right. And, and there's even in that, there's something in your heart that cries out, surely there's more to that. And so the life is hard. God is good. The second title, yeah. a little more poetic. Oh, that's Actually, right. Yeah. Poetic I like, title. I like this one better. All right. Okay. Wisdom for life in the Shadowlands. <laughs> I like that, right? Yeah. Now, that's, that's C.S. lewis <laughs> <laughs> I said the Lion King. You said C.S. Lewis. 
<laughs> no, it's C.S. Lewis because C.S. Lewis coins this term, the Shadowlands, mm-hmm. right? And what he's saying is that um, this must be pointing to something else. There's mm-hmm. got to be something that this is alluding to in this life. There's got to be something better. Right. And there is. There's a, there's a better life to come. But we can't forget, which I think a lot of people may tend towards thinking there's no other option. We can't forget that we are called to live in the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. So so it's not like we can say, oh, we're going to pretend like like we're not living in this world. I, I think that's where people maybe get the concept. He's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Um, I don't know that that's possible, but I do think it is possible for someone to neglect this world and neglect their life here because all they want to do is go to heaven. Hmm. You know, rather Paul says, I want to go to heaven, but for me to be here is actually more needful for you. I have a purpose. You need the ministry that I'm giving you here as we live on this earth. So wisdom for life in the shadowlands or wisdom for living in the shadowlands, however you want to put it. Yeah. Uh, that would be my more poetic title. I like that. Yeah, it does allude to a lot and it's helpful to... It just made me think again, you know, C.S. Lewis when he says, uh, you know, if there's a fish in a cave somewhere that lives without eyes, it could never have a concept of light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if there is a purpose, a distinct transcendent purpose to our lives, if it's just a purely materialistic universe, we should have never found out that there needs to be some sort of purpose. We should never have had that mm-hmm. desire. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great, I like that a lot. And so you asked for an overarching theme to the book. I think that would wrap it up, yeah. is that Solomon is offering wisdom for this life, of saying you are you are here on this earth, and here is how you are to operate your life in a very practical way. I mean, these sermons are... Are, are the most practical sermons I've ever preached. Mm-hmm. Normally, the way my sermon structure goes is I am um, having to draw out applications and to really put thought and meditation into applications. But I'm finding that in Ecclesiastes, I'm actually having to meditate and say, okay, where do we need to pull out the doctrine and the sure. character of God in this? Yeah. And so it's it's been a good exercise for me and hopefully – uh, have been imbalanced in that, but to uh, they've been very, very practical. And that, that kind of dovetails really nicely into this next bit, which is uh, to say that uh, I'm sure, no doubt, that you've learned and grown through your study in this series. And mm-hmm. you know, just in conversation that you and I have had, you've even said, you know, within the gamut of biblical genres that God's gifted me to preach, Ecclesiastes is not not my that's natural right. tendency. If you gave me a <laughs> that would be true. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not not a slam at all because you've you've done a fantastic job and God's given so much grace for that. But how have you grown personally through this as you've really tackled this, or what what's God opened your eyes to as you've gotten into this book? You know, that's a really interesting question because um, we've had many conversations that that this genre is not my wheelhouse. And it stretched me, like what you just said. Um, in a lot of ways, I was just sharing this with a couple um, young men that I'm helping them work on a sermon as they're preparing to preach. But um, it's made me more dependent on the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And to, to, to dig in and to say, okay, Lord, you can, through, I have your spirit and I have your word. And through careful study, you can show me what, what your word says. Hmm. Um, I am not very proficient in Hebrew at all. Mm-hmm. And so it, this was stretching in every respect, mm-hmm. in the genre, in, in the poetic nature of it, in the philosophical ideals that it's dealing with. I mean, in just every nature of Ecclesiastes, extremely stretching for me. What I found was um, God's word is God's word. And um, 
it's a difficult book, but through the power of the spirit, because it's God's word, God uses it in my heart. And I think what I found is that as I study and as I read it, I found my heart being stirred and being moved. And then I can in turn share that with the congregation. Did you find any surprises in Ecclesiastes? Like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that to be as prominent or man, I kind of ended up going down this route and that I wasn't you know, that didn't enter my mind initially, but the, how has the book of Ecclesiastes maybe even shaped you or, or changed your thinking? Or So surprises, yes. I didn't know how often I could be wrong in my interpretation <laughs> before, <laughs> before checking with commentaries. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, We've all had that so, experience yes, before. That's, where you go, oh, wow, there, I was really off on there that. There are times when you're like, you're almost a little bit afraid to pick up a commentary. You're like, oh, this could get hairy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I don't have a problem if one person disagrees with me, but if everyone disagrees with me, yeah, like, uh, I do have an issue. I get it. Yeah. So yeah, that was a little bit of, of a good, uh, good thing for me every week. Um, so... Let me just tell you a little bit about my takeaways. So I think the number one, are you asking like what I've learned yeah, or just what like surprised you as a person, me? like just in the process of having to study through this book, how's God just used it to change you and what's he brought out for you in your life? Okay. So he's brought out for me. Don't miss, don't miss this life. Wow. That, that's what he's, that I mean, I wrote down, um, provision and provider. Yeah. I mean the, the, the nature between what God has given us in his providing for us, in his character as a provider, Hmm. don't miss that. To where God is constantly saying, yes, you are living in this world under the sun. You're living on the earth right now, and your perspective is small. Um, Don't miss what I'm giving you specifically and my character displayed in my provision. So I think um, I wrote down one of my big takeaways, live in wisdom expect nothing from this world, but expect everything from eternity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've, I've learned to value life in its place before God's face. And that really has stuck with me. And I've given the illustration a couple of times, eating the meal, mm-hmm. you know, that's provided for you in front of the face of the one who gave it to you. But that's really stuck with me. Good. To say yeah. that as I, as I, cause I think, so total transparent moment. I think there's a part of me that's always felt a little bit guilty for enjoying certain things in life. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's go on vacation, but let's not enjoy it too much because I don't want to love this more than I love heaven. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or, uh, the way it shows up often, and I always chuckle when I hear this in dating relationships, you know, uh, I, I, I love this girl, but I just want to make sure that I'm not loving her more than I love God. Okay. And, and, and I get what people are trying to communicate with that. Right. I want to, you know, in, in my hobbies, I really enjoy this or this, but I don't, don't want to enjoy it too much. Because if I love it too much, if I enjoy it too much, then it's kind of saying something bad about heaven. I know that sounds weird, and maybe I'm the yeah, no, only no, person I, who's ever thought this. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm right? with you. I think so. Because the reality is, is that with Solomon in Ecclesiastes, if God is back of all of the gifts that he gives, then our enjoyment of the gifts ought to be fuel for greater love for God yep. because they remind us and show us the character yep. of God on display in and, those gifts. And I think that's what I didn't get before preaching through Ecclesiastes. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's because I'm simple. But because but I never truly grasped and got a hold of the fact that when I am when I am just recognizing that God has given things in this life good and bad and what we would consider good or we would consider bad we could say easy and hard yeah God's given these things in his life he's showing his character through them that I can 
relish them and enjoy them and turn to God and say thank you. Right. And and yeah. and one of the ways, just simple things that uh, that this did is this fall we had an extremely colorful fall with the leaves. Right. And from my extremely long three quarter of a mile commute from my house to the church on that one road on Miami street, there was a yellow tree that was just bright as could be. Mm -hmm. And my mindset shifted from that's a beautiful tree to, wow, thank you God for showing me that tree. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. Just those kind of practical yeah. changes in perspective on our daily lives. And, and, and my relationship with my kids has changed and I've gotten more emotional after preaching through Ecclesiastes mm -hmm. because, um, I'll have an interaction with one of my children and I'll think, God, thank you for this gift. Yeah. And then <laughs> maybe some interactions aren't, aren't quite so precious, but, um, but in those times in my, my mind has shifted. Wow. And I think that's been a huge work that God's done in my heart. That's awesome. Um, so what would you like to see, you know, just a, maybe one or two, you know, in a perfect world, what would be some lasting results you would love to see happen in our church as a result of well, hearing these messages? Before we go to that question that you just came up with, can we go to the <laughs> other question that you originally came up with that I prepped for, and that is what are the major themes in the book? Yeah. Because I, I think it's going to dovetail in. Okay, well, yeah, sounds good, sounds good. I came up with all these beautiful, wonderful questions that you wrote down for me. And so, uh... <laughs> so let me, before we go into that, I want to kind of hit some of the major themes because somebody may be listening to this and they didn't... Um, Maybe they didn't hear the whole series. Yeah, well, you know what? They should just go back and listen to the sermons because they're they all should. on our podcast channel yeah. as well. Just go back and listen to the sermons, and let's go back to the question I asked just now. now and it would, me, it would the... only take you about 12 hours because <laughs> I've been preaching really short through Ecclesiastes. <laughs> uh, okay. We're not going to touch that with the 10-foot pole today. Um, major themes. Okay. The word vanity temporal. It does not mean bad. And I think this was key for me and for our church to understand. I heard this over and over again, the word Hebel, the, the word missed, um, short, uh, not long lasting, even futile in a sense, you know, breath is a huge theme throughout the whole book, life, everything from suffering to life, everything's a breath. I think it's interesting. Also this concept between work and toil, that there's a difference between work and toil and work is part of God's command but toil is part of God's curse hmm. on this world. Yeah. Hmm. And I, you would love to hear more about that, wouldn't you? I would. So I'm going to do a whole sermon on that. I was just about for to say, you, we need some more time to deal with that. Uh, yeah. Because work is precursed. And I think that's really important, especially in today's culture. I mean, I saw an article today that said uh, more men in their prime are not working in the workforce than ever before. Hmm. And you think, man, what a, what a terrible life to not, not, have something to work for. Anyway, um, under the sun, perspective on this earth. Um, there's, there's one, then we have this concept of time, which is another great theme, but there's one theme which I think is really awesome that kind of frames all of this. Explain it to me like I'm five. Okay, here's, here, here's the explanation. You are a person and God is not. You are not God, and God is. So here's what it looks like. There's a difference between creature and creator. And that is a huge concept of these comparison statements that are made in Ecclesiastes. God is not bound by time. You are. God is in control. 
you need to recognize you're not in control here. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. But God knows. And over and over and over again, you have this comparison contrast between creature and creator. And so we're going to transition to that last question that you so beautifully asked, right? Which is, what do you want our church to walk away with? And it's this. We need to, two things. Number one, enjoy life before God's face as the provider. And secondly, let go of our false sense of control and live with a God consciousness. And what I mean by that is um, the conclusion of the whole matter. And he's not just talking about the book. He's talking about everything. He's he's made these philosophical uh, statements. He's gone through the gone down these philosophical trails of life is like this and life is like this. And there's a time for this and a time for this and all this kind of stuff. And then he gets to the end and he says, here's the answer. Super complicated. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. And what he says is, listen, live with God right in front of your face. Let go of this world. Enjoy what God gives you. But live with God right in front of your face. Because you are a created creature for his glory. And he is the creator. And he is at work. Hmm. So enjoy life in front of his face for his glory. And so that's kind of, if our... If our church walked away from Ecclesiastes with that concept, I think it'd be a successful approach to the book. Love God supremely and do what you want. Yeah. Thank you. St. Augustine, right? That's right. Uh, That's what it is. Love God and do what you will. But you have to love God. Yeah. You know, that's got to be at the front, right? Yeah. I love God first and I love him supremely and everything flows out of that. Yep. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love your neighbors, yourself. On these things hang all the law and the prophets. And there are some people who get really nervous about that because they're like, whoa, if you say that, people are going to do all this sort of stuff. And so Solomon deals with that too because every time, I shouldn't say every time, most times, if not every time, I think it's every time, that he deals with that concept, it's always tied to some sort of remember God is the judge. Right. There's coming a day of accountability. Oh, yeah. So love God. Yeah. Live your life in front of his face to his glory, but remember... One day you're going to have to kneel before him and give an account. Yeah, and and, and that really is the wisdom of the book. Mm-hmm. And and there's so many different things that go into that. But um, yeah, expect less from this life, expect more from eternity, and um, and live in wisdom here in the shadowlands. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about things that that I've learned. But. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the concluding sermon this coming Sunday. We're excited uh, to be able to worship with our church family then. And then to even hear a couple of just kind of follow-up, wrap-up sermons that deal with some of these themes and a little bit more depth. Do you want to just preview some of those things yep. for us? Well, first, I want to give you my title for Sunday because it's super unique and original. Oh, boy. Title of last week was Cures for the Cranky. That's a good, that's a good title. This one's totally original. The conclusion of the whole matter. <laughs> sounds straight, so familiar. Straight <laughs> out of verse, uh, I believe that's verse ten. Uh, yep. For this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Yeah. This is it. So we've been we've been heading and your this way, sermon title that's where we're is going. so inspired. It's so inspired. So inspired. Um, okay, so we're going to end the Ecclesiastes series with three topical sermons. One on the theology of work, which I think is really important for us because. Um, for some reason in our Western culture, we see work as bad. 
Uh, in fact, Elon Musk says that the future of humanity is to create robots to do all of our works for us so we can live in pleasure the whole time. And I think that is the worst idea in all. Of, I mean, Elon Musk, I'm sure, is brilliant. But in that, I think he really missed the mark on that. Um, maybe it's because he needs Jesus. So we should probably be yes. saved. Um, the second uh, sermon, theology of work. And then we're going to do a theology of rest hmm. because you can... Um, be imbalanced in this and we need to have a theology of rest. And then, um, you see that in, in Ecclesiastes as well, because that really evidences our trust in God's sovereignty. Thirdly, we're going to do a theology of suffering, which is actually called theodicy. And, and it's a, all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you see this concept that life is hard. You need to expect it to be hard. There are, you know, growing old is not for the faint of heart and, and bad things happen to good people. And, and in all of these statements over and over and over again, in fact, um, in chapter 12, there's like eight verses that's dedicated just to this hmm. saying, this is how hard your latter years will be in life. And, I, and so in those moments where we all will have moments of deep suffering, we need to ask the question, where is God in this? And, uh, and so we're going to ask the question. We're going to look at suffering and look at, um, at God's role in suffering and ask some hard questions and seek answers from Scripture. So, so I think those are three topics that are brought up in the book that we can address in a more specific way. Hmm. Very good. Yep. Awesome things to look forward to. And uh, I've enjoyed the Ecclesiastes series. I'm sure our church has as well. And good to get a little summary overview of that. How did it feel to lead the conversation? Heady and powerful especially having your notes right here in front of me so I could ask all the right questions. <laughs> Until next time, this is the Community Connection, signing off.